You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Hey, welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. It's great to be with you today. I think this is going to be the last new HR Happy Hour Show of 2018. So thanks so much to everyone for spending time with us in 2018, especially, of course, thanks to my show co-host who can't be with us today, but we say hello to her, Trish McFarlane, and hope she's doing well. And of course, finally, our show sponsor, Virgin Pulse. You can learn more about them at www.virginpulse.com. Com. Uh, a couple of quick updates. The last show Trish and I did uh, just posted a couple of days ago, and I really encourage you to listen to this. It's with Ago de Gasparis, who's the vice president of HR for North America at Anheuser-Busch. So we kind of fanboyed and fangirled out on our love for Anheuser-Busch products, but also talked with Ago about culture and ownership and, and some tremendously cool things that they're doing at Anheuser-Busch. And we actually finagled our way uh, into a, an invite out to the big brewery in St. Louis for a show next year, which I can't wait to get that scheduled. Uh, otherwise, just uh, keep listening to the network. We have great shows from George LaRock and Ben Eubanks coming up and uh, lots more to come in 2019. If you want to pitch an idea, pitch yourself, uh, give us a good idea for a guest, uh, invite us to your brewery if you own one. That would be great too. Uh, you can get in touch with me, either tweet us, at HR Happy Hour. Send me an email, steve at h3hr.com. Finally, don't forget that we do have an HR Happy Hour show on Amazon Alexa. Yeah, we do. It's still there. To add the HR Happy Hour on Alexa to your Echo Devices flash briefing, just search for the HR Happy Hour skill on your Amazon Alexa app. All right, here's what we're going to do today. We have a great guest waiting in the wings. We are going to talk about diversity, inclusion, and recruiting. Just a topic that's probably on the mind of just about every HR leader and talent acquisition leader in 2018 and probably will be in 2019. Our guest today is Kylie Gomez. She's a senior product recruiter at Atlassian. She's a seasoned recruiting lead that prides herself on her ability to grow teams in a meaningful way. And she believes that recruiting is at the forefront of balance and belonging. That sounds pretty cool. I'd like to learn more about that. And she she works in a diverse approach when it comes to hiring for the product team at Atlassian. She she plays detective, intermediary, and advocate in her profession. Kylie, you're like a superhero of some kind. I'm just I, I read this bio. I'm stopping to read the bio, Kylie. I'm welcoming you right now because I want to talk about the bio. Kylie Gomez, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. You've got a great bio, Kylie. Detective, <laughs> intermediary, advocate. This is awesome. I really and prior to working at Atlassian, yeah. I'll just mention she worked at Airbnb, another cool company in product design and research. So, Kylie, great to have you here. First of all, before we dig into your your excellent bio, I could tell like you're a recruiter, like a recruiter slash marketer at heart with that bio because I you, you sucked me into it like right off the bat, but. Um, Tell, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about Atlassian as well for folks who may not know the company. Yeah, thank you so much. I will say I 
don't have a brewery to offer you, unfortunately, <laughs> but we do have some taps here. So, you know. <laughs> we can't, we can't <laughs> all have awesome. that, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's pretty good leverage. Um, <laughs> as far as I go, I really do believe that I am a detective intermediary and advocate. Um, I really believe that recruiting a lot of different functions um, and frankly, coming from more of a creative of comms background for me that just kind of fell into place and it was easy for me to move into that sure. um i love this world i think it's so fun and i love working with people and being their advocate because i think when you believe in someone usually your gut's right um so it's been really fun to see that work really well at atlassian um for those who don't know atlassian we actually do productivity and collaboration software so a lot of project management function tracking content all of that stuff that you would use internally basically mm -hmm. to unleash potential so our mission statement essentially is to unleash the potential of every team. So we want to make sure that everyone has an easier workflow, that people can deploy and build products faster and more efficiently, um, and essentially make the world function easier together from a collaboration standpoint. Right. And, for, and just for, to give us an idea of scope and size, about how big of a company is Atlassian, roughly? Yeah, great question. We're about 3,000 currently. Um, yeah. We're on a pretty hard... Yeah, we've we've got a good amount of people, but we're actually sure. kind of in this startup meets resource company phase, which I think is really exciting. Um, we're in a hyper growth mode as well. So we're ideally looking to get to about 5,000 by 2022. Um, okay. So we're in kind of this aggressive growth mode, but really balancing that with quality hiring and thinking through a balanced approach so that we can keep that belonging and balance really um, forefront at what we do. Kylie, thanks so much for that, for a little bit of a uh, uh, reset, a little context for us. I'm, I, you know, I used that lasting in products ages ago, like back when I was teaching uh, a, a course at uh, Rochester Institute of Technology, and it was uh, really cool. They're great, great products, great company. It's a, it's a really great story as well for folks who are interested in digging in, just uh, learn more about what that, what the company's doing. But beyond just what the cool things that lasting is doing. Uh, this is a great sort of uh, example, Kylie, of, of the type of company that's uh, facing challenges that lots of companies are with respect to recruiting and with respect to diversity and inclusion, right? Because it's a tech company at its core. So you're doing a lot of technical hiring, I'd imagine. You're in growth mode and you're really trying to address the challenges around diversity in recruiting and hiring. Before we sort of dig into some of the specific things you guys are doing at Atlassian, to try to address these challenges. Maybe can you tell us just a little bit about you, yourself and or Atlassian thinks about when you, you start thinking about uh, the, the topic of diversity when it comes to recruiting and hiring? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really think it is a multifaceted problem and I think it's an industry problem at the core. Um, that's why if you go and look on our um, Balance and Belonging blog, or if you go and follow our head of diversity, Aubrey Blanche, who's my favorite person on the planet, um, you'll see that a lot of our content around it is public because we really want to impact the market directly and not just our own teams. Um, okay. I think there is, if you look at the statistics around STEM and different um, people coming into STEM, obviously we know that it is siloed and that diversity has been a problem from, you know, anywhere from junior to very senior talent, depending on the org and depending on the domain. Um, so for us, it's really thinking through like, how do we invest in different levels, different orgs, different specialties, um, all of those things. So I think it is this big multifaceted problem. And we, with everyone self-identifying and with the terminology changing and also people not necessarily wanting to disclose that part of their 
person, depending on what that is. Um, I think it's a unique challenge in the fact that it's not easy to automate. It's not easy to just come through and be like, hey, this is a diversity hire. Um, and also there's this thing of you want to create balance. So it's not like you're eliminating any groups or not prioritizing any groups. So that's kind of why we've moved specifically us have moved away from the more diversity and inclusion and culture words into more of this um, value set balance and belonging, because we just think it's a it's a better way to include every single group in the discussion. Kylie, that, that's really interesting. And I guess one thing I would ask is, do you, uh, when you, as you've thought about this problem and, and sort of approached it, and, and again, prior to sort of taking on some specific actions, which we will talk about here in a minute, about addressing some of these challenges, is it something where the company at one point said, hey, we need to do better at this? Was there a, maybe any kind of problem identified, an imbalance identified, or, or lack of, say, women in certain roles or, or people from other uh, less underserved groups in other roles? Like, how did it sort of, yeah. you know, how did you sort of start when you started thinking about this problem? Yeah, great question. Um, I, yes, that is a problem, um, especially when we get to the leadership roles. Um, is I actually work across a lot of our leadership roles within product. And what you'll see is generally the audience for those roles and the qualified applicants for those roles are primarily men. Um, they just are, you know, and historically that has been the um, market is changing in some ways. And so it's getting easier to find all of these amazing women. Um, but at the same time. I think there's a deeper problem there too, because there's often women or um, people of color functioning at the level that we want, but haven't necessarily received the title. And so I think okay. it's easy to make assumptions around what people are doing in that way. So we've really tried to change the recruiting team to be like, okay, how do we think about what this person's actually doing functionally? Um, can they absorb this role? And does the potential of that person look like? Because it may just be that they haven't been given those same kind of opportunities because our industry has been siloed and just, I don't think it historically has done a great job here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and so that's sort of, uh, and it's interesting too, that you kind of mentioned that the, there's probably a lot of people out there fully capable of functioning well in many of these roles, but yet they're that traditionally or taking traditional approaches, they're either very difficult to identify or they don't get identified at all. Right. And, and, yes. and, and kind of classic sourcing processes, right. It sounds like. Exactly. And we have like really strong female leaders um, and we've really upped our game in that two years. Um, and also, I think part of it is that we got buy-in very early from our founders. They care about this. Our leaders care about this. And Aubrey Blanche has done an incredible job really bringing it to the forefront of everything that we're doing. So it was really established, I think, from both an industry problem and an Atlassian problem. Um, I think it really does. Uh, and then it was really taken on, upon by our leaders and embodied from those value sets as well. Great, great. So Kyle, let's talk a, a little bit more specifically, right? So we're, you know, tech company, growing company, facing a lot of the challenges that many of our listeners probably will, these challenges will resonate with them and seem familiar to them as well. I'd love for you to share, let's start right at the top. Let, like, let's talk about just sourcing slash building candidate pools. And, and without, you know, and if you want to give a specific example, say of a, of a specific type of job that you guys are going after and what you do, or, or you want to speak more generally about it, what are some of the ways that either you guys at Atlassian do or other people listening to the show can do? What are some, some approaches or strategies that they can employ to try to improve uh, the breadth and the diversity, for lack of a better word, of the folks that they identify, mm -hmm. at least you know, as you build a, a candidate pool for, for a position that you, you, you're targeting to try to create a more diverse set of opportunities for? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, I can actually specifically talk to an example. I actually just hired a new head of product for us um, within oh, our great. developer platform. And as you would imagine, um, that slate it can be very primarily male dominated. Um, and so in those situations, my overall approach as a recruiter holistically without dealing like diving into tools first is lower volume targeted searches really encompassing diversity from the forefront. Um, I really believe I personally think the high volume game can get you in trouble and I actually think it creates more work for you. So mm -hmm. what I try to tend to do is really think through, okay, you know, within domain specific knowledge within the companies that we're targeting and then also really specifically what we want this person to be able to come in and bring to our company. Um, what's my top 5% ideally? And what does that look like? If I'm seeing all male generally, you know, I'm going to expand from there. If I'm not, if I'm seeing a good amount of women, then I'll target that population specifically. And I think it gives me more time in order to do really quality driven reach outs, really think through um, what is this person going to look like? What can they bring? And what does the scope look like for them? Is it really a step up? Is it really going to be an exciting move for them? Um, so I personally approach it as fairly low volume, especially when I get up to those higher levels. I think that does help with the diversity process as well. The other things that I use, I use in diversity. I really like theirs and it filters for you. The only thing that I think is hard about any kind of operation when it comes to this is, again, the self-identification. Um, when we think about self-identification, it just varies so much more than race or ethnicity or background. It's so so much bigger than that. Um, when you're thinking about the LGBTQ plus community, when you're thinking about trans people, when you're thinking about um, people of color, you know, it just ranges so much. And some people don't want to identify from the forefront and some people do. Um, so I think it makes it hard to automate, but until a diversity thing for me so that I can really get that diversity slate out of the way from the forefront okay. um, and spend time on okay, these people look really solid. I'm going to specifically target them them with these campaigns. Um, so that's helped me a lot. Um, I will say as well, I feel like LinkedIn is doing a better job on the diversity front too. Um, and then I personally use Airtable for candidate tracking as well. And what I do too is really look through and it's easy um, because it's an easy tracking system with just kind of one line. I can look through and be like, oh shoot, I'm primarily men in this. I need to uptick my diversity on here. I need to be in a balanced slate. Um, mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that I do up front. Yeah, so Kylie, thanks for that. And it's it's just one other comment I have, or maybe, I guess a question as well is, um, you know, from the outside looking in, I'm not a recruiter. I've not not been a recruiter. I am a little familiar with some of the tools you mentioned, the IntelliDiversity tool I'm familiar with too. So this is not quite though, and I've seen other approaches that advocate for, and some tech approaches that well that are that are trying to do, you know, quote unquote blind sourcing, right? The this idea that we're going to try to move remove almost all the identifying characteristics, right, from a, from a person's profile and or resume and, and try to, I guess, for that, you know, level the playing field that way. So that's, that's not really quite what you're talking about, right? You're, it doesn't sound like you're doing something like that. Not quite. I have used okay. those tools and I do think that functionally they work well um, because it really does eliminate, um, you know, eliminate any kind of bias since you don't have that bias and that unconscious specific bias. Um, I personally have used those before. Luckily, I have leaders that are really bought in. And so when I push back on them and say like, hey, no, we need to look at a diverse slate. I backgrounds differences in cognitive sure. backgrounds before we commit to anybody. Um, luckily, they've been very bought into that. And when I do see that unconscious bias creeping in, I can generally challenge them on it and they hear me and they listen to my recommendations there. So I don't tend to go full blind unless very specific around the role um, or like I feel like we really need it with a certain hiring manager or a stakeholder or anything like that.
Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks, Kylie. That's interesting. Let me do a quick reset. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bose. We're talking with Kylie Gomez from Atlassian. And we're talking about recruiting. And we're really talking about specifically uh, the challenges of, of increasing uh, candidate pools, uh, making them more diverse, finding finding diverse uh, people for roles, and and then figuring out ways we're going to talk about next is figuring out ways to then help these people uh, and help your organization manage these people through, throughout the process. So yeah, because it's not just enough, Kylie, to use tools, use smart approaches, use your networks, right? Or, or maybe connections you may have developed over time with local, um, local groups or industry groups, et cetera, or, or colleges and universities maybe. So you, let's just say you kind of, you've got a lot of approaches, multivariate approaches to improving the diversity and the, the mix of folks that you're identifying as, as uh, people you wanna potentially consider for roles. There's got to be more to that, though, right? Because even if you've developed a really diverse, you know, slate of lots of interesting people, qualified people, you're eventually going to hand these people off, right, to to a hiring manager of some kind or a hiring committee, or however you do it there at Atlassian. So what happens next there to kind of ensure that all the hard work that you and the other recruiters do up front doesn't just immediately get ruined, for lack of a better word, because a hiring manager decides, well, I'm just going to hire the guy who went to Stanford because that's where I went to. Totally. And I do think that that is an industry set problem as well. Um, I will say that we kind of see ourselves more so, I would say, as advisors on that side of things, um, which has been really helpful. So for me personally, my leaders within product, um, specifically Joff Redfern actually, is very bought into this approach. Um, He's been really, really supportive. And I think when you have that coming from both the heads of and the founders, that really encourages people to listen. We also do a lot of unconscious bias training as well. So whenever you become an interviewer, you actually have to go through the unconscious bias training before you can be one. Um, And what we try to do is really give them concrete examples of what unconscious bias can look like. Because, right, it can be just as simple as we both went to Stanford and that's it. Um, And we try to get away from comparing like that, right? Um, So so that helps a lot. And I think that people hear of unconscious bias and then assume that they don't necessarily have it, even though we all do. I think that every single person in the world does. So I think it's really about establishing what does unconscious bias really look like and how can we give them concrete examples so that they can and purposefully challenge their own assumptions in that. Um, So that's some of what we do. We also try to see past those corporate statistics, kind of what I was talking about before, when you're thinking of, you know, certain groups. um, I just think that diversity and balance is constantly expanding and what people self-identify as is expanding, how they um, word it is expanding, the verbiage changes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think also important to really do your due diligence within the market and make sure like, okay, are we up to date in all our verbiage? We want to make sure that we are being inclusive. And um, another way we do that too is uh, we actually work through Textio io for all of our job postings and they have to score at least an 85 on that and it's essentially an inclusive language tool so we run every single job description from through this inclusive language tool and that helps us if we see like okay this is female tone leaning or this is male tone leaning obviously when you have hiring managers writing those job descriptions of course yeah part of them is going to in it. Um, So that's some of the ways that we eliminate like, okay, we're not going to only go through this audience or for this audience. We try to be really holistic about it. So we actually won't post anything that hasn't done well um, from a diversity and language score on Textio, which has helped a lot. Yeah, that's a great point. We'll pause there for a second. I do want to, I want to stay on that one for a second, the the Textio approach. I know Textio as well. They've been at HR Tech before. They're really interesting company doing some really cool things. And so for folks who don't know them or not familiar with them, this is kind of a tool that helps you kind of avoid the, the, the classic tropes of, you know, 
we're, we're looking for rock star ninja candidates to work in our fast paced dynamic, exactly. you know, a hundred percent on environment and blah, blah, blah. Right. Those things that often, I mean, I'm, I mean, hopefully no one's doing rock star ninja anymore. It's a little bit of a cliche, but there, there are certainly other and a little bit more subtle ways that job descriptions and job ads and job marketing can, can tend to attract a certain type of person and, and maybe dissuade uh, women from applying or, or other groups who feel like um, uh, maybe they, you know, they don't meet all the qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's really, um, it, it's a way to check yourself, I guess, maybe a better way to say it, right? A, a way to make sure you're not unconsciously, as you said earlier, Kylie, unconsciously introducing um, language and, and, and tone and, and creating this kind of point of view in your job uh, communications that, that are going to, uh, put up some sort of a barrier for people to apply. It's been really helpful for us, especially with that inbound funnel. And we're lucky enough in the market to have a pretty good reputation at this point. Um, so it's been really exciting to see because we do have really qualified applicants coming through. And so we don't want to, we don't want to alienate any groups like that. And I think that old job descriptions really did do that. I mean, I yeah. think that that was a huge problem. Um, and so it's been really, nice to have a tool that really calls it out for you because I think especially when we all think of ourselves as being inclusive you know fairly educated in this but the bottom line is you don't know everything and you often don't see your own patterns and so if you can really pull that out and put it through tools that take out the bias for you completely um, I think it's just incredibly helpful yeah and I think this is a great example too and I'm glad we're doing the show because it's a really good example of how you know you kind of start with um you start with a strategy or a mindset or or kind of a vision for what you want your organization to be, right? An open, welcoming, balanced, belonging. I'm trying to use some of your words, Kylie, uh, uh, type of place. <laughs> but, uh, but using technologies to help and support that. The, the technologies alone or themselves can't help your organization develop that that mindset or develop that culture, but they can help you support, they can help support it. So tools that help you in your sourcing and identification identification of candidates, tools that help you ensure that your job ads are not, you know, biased in such a way to 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 bring in only sort of male rock star ninja employees, et cetera. And 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 then tools, of course, to track how things go, right? Tools that unconscious bias training, right? Which I got to believe there's a there's a there's a, an element of technology there as well. So it's a really good story about how um, a, a corporation decides this is how hey, this is how we want to be, and let's find some tools to help us get there. So. Uh, Kylie, there's one other thing I want to ask you about. I mentioned kind of the um, the interviewing side, and, and, and you know, and the the tendency often to you know let's hire people sort of like us, and 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 this idea of you know the hiring for cultural fit thing, and it, it's been beaten to death a lot, right? Like like how it can tend to um, um, reinforce a certain type of culture or, or hiring a certain type of person. And so I'd love to 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 just get your thoughts or your thoughts at, at last scene about this idea of of culture fit and then you know because because people tend to want to fall back into that right if you're a hiring manager is making a hire for your team and it's an important role in the team and I think isn't it sort of a little bit of human nature to say boy I want to hire someone who I'm already comfortable with which tends to be someone yep. quite a bit like me or quite a bit like the last person we hired I'd love to to get your thoughts on on that aspect of the hiring process and, and what you guys do do uh, to address it 
Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, this is a constantly moving problem, I think. Um, we have actually tried to eliminate the culture fit mentality here in general. What we have okay. seen is like, we need a matching values set. So for us, we think that that's much more inclusive because when you think about different cultures, like cultures around the world, there's not a wrong one, right? And so I think using that kind of makes this idea of like, well, if you're not a culture fit, you're, you don't fit in. And I don't think that that's accurate or true. And so what we've tried to move to is that balance and belonging inclusive language, um, because we just think that more so we do need representation for every kind of group. And so we try to identify, you know, is this a primarily male dominated team? Okay, well, how can we get out of this? Um, the mm -hmm. other thing that we do well is I always do a 50-50 balanced panel on my side as well. Um, so okay. we're thinking about you know, attracting different groups into the process. If you eliminate sort of that, um, I feel like like diversity and inclusion and just culture fit that those words I feel like are kind of becoming obsolete to an extent because um, I do think that it kind of eliminates some people. And so creating standardized interviews, um, really bringing in how are people you set fit so do you do your values of us like unleashing the potential of every team do you believe in that are you going to work towards that goal um that's where we're coming from more so so like okay let's align toward a goal and towards like getting um buy-in from every part of the business in regards to what we want to do overall rather than do you fit the culture here because we just right. think that that's the wrong terminology at this point um so that's kind of where we've moved to so far yeah, and, and I think that makes sense because, right, the, the, the culture fit thing became, it, not only did it become sort of code for hire someone a little just like me or just like the last person we hired, it also became so easy to use that as just a, an, an exclusionary tool. You're right. Oh, this person's oh. got a great background, right? They've got good skills. They, they, they tested well on the assessment we gave them, et cetera, et cetera. But eh, they're just not a culture fit. I, I don't want to go out and have a beer with this person, right? Like that, that old oh. test, right? Oh, and I used to hate that. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely a problem for us. I think also um, when I, we can really be more inclusive and in all of that, it's more so thinking through um, your belief in what we do in our company. You know, it's more so about like your working style, being able to handle the challenges that we have rather than like, hey, do I want to hang out with you? Um, yeah. I actually challenge people for that because, you know, homophily, which is the term that you actually bring in and associate yourself people like you, we actually are doing a lot of studies on that and what that means. And so one of the things that I have specifically done to combat that, we actually don't have great tools for that yet, I don't think. So one of the things that I've specifically done to combat that is whenever we do referral drives, which is getting referrals from different people in the company, um, you see a drop in diversity numbers when you yeah. go through referrals, which is a problem, right? Because and people tend to only submit people that are like them. And so what I do in referral drives now, I'm like, great, you guys have given me a list of names. Now I want you to sit down and think about through your career, who did you disagree with, but that brought value? Maybe you guys mm -hmm. didn't see eye to eye, but they challenged your assumptions and what you were thinking. And ultimately you created a better product from that discussion. Think about those people. Who are those people? Because we want those people too. Um, and so that's why I try to really educate around like we all do this and it's okay, but we need to identify it and move away from it and make an active effort to think about the people with different cognitive backgrounds. 
Yeah, Kylie, that's really great. And, and it kind of, um, I love that idea of who did you disagree with, but added value. And I, I know I just read something about that recently and I can't remember the context now, so I probably shouldn't bring up the reference, but I know I just read something about uh, one of the technical companies, one of the big tech companies kind of taking that approach that you've got to hire more people who are, um, are, are okay with conflict, right? I mean, meaning constructive, you know, positive conflict, if you will, right? Not, not, the, not the negative kind of conflict that tears everything down, but uh, that ability to challenge, that ability to question, that ability to bring new perspectives, right? And that's really what we're talking about, right? When we're talking about diversity, right? It's not just, you know, you're from this country or that country, or you're from this background or that background. It's really about bringing different ideas to the table, right? That, than, than we'd get otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And not only is it just the right thing to do, it also has been proven to create more efficient and better products. Like it's actually statistically been proven to increase revenue um, from a business perspective. It just makes a ton of sense too. And I think that's why, um, well, not just why, I also think we have great leaders that are inclusive and thinking, but also when you're trying to get buy-in for stuff like this, if you can point to all these statistics that it actually does increase revenue, it has a positive impact on our overall business, it's really easy to get buy-in. And I do think that recruiting is the front lines of that. So we try very hard to be like, this is why our approach is what it is. This is how we attack it. If you have questions around it, we can dive into that. But we're trying to really get out of that comfort zone. And I also think that overall, both in tech and in the world, we need to get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, Being uncomfortable (laughs) is a good thing. I right? (laughs) It's a good thing. I think it's where you get a lot of your learning and hearing people that attack things and approach things differently than you do. I just think the collective ideas are always better than the only self. Yeah. So Kylie, the last thing I want to ask you is, uh, as you look forward, right, we're at the end of 2018, heading into 2019. You mentioned at the top that your company is intending to grow quite substantially by by a percentage basis, as well as a volume basis in the next couple of years. Um, Is there anything, one or two things you think about going forward are going to be important to you? Is there, is there um, uh, a recruiting kind of uh, challenge that you're thinking about still or or technology you're looking for just, or or just kind of, what are you thinking about as you, as you look forward to try to, I mean, it sounds like you are always trying to get better there, right. And improve what you're doing. Is, is there something you would suggest like, Hey, this is what we're going to try to do even better at as we go forward, as we grow the company. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's always a learning curve, no matter what we're doing. Um, I think there's some parts of the business where we handle incredibly well. And then there's some learning opportunities. Um, I think statistically, because we have functioned more like a startup, our planning isn't as strong as it could be. Um, that's actually something we actually just brought in a new chief of staff to really come in and create process around that. And I think by doing that, will help immensely when we're talking about diversity statistics, reporting, um, all of that stuff, because are they accurate? Is this showing truly what the company is comprised of? Um, those are still things that I think that as a startup sort of feel, we're still figuring out. Um, okay. We on TA have been really great in that sense, and they're really actively working on that. But I think that's a opportunity for us. Um, I'm also doing some more interview training because right now, basically, we have a standardized interview process that we follow so that we can really um, effectively uh, evaluate people at the same level. Um, so really thinking through like what those questions look like, what assessments look like, all of that. I think it's important to establish those. And so one of the things that I'm looking forward to doing because um, I have been functioning a little 
little bit more reactive just because I've had a lot of work to do. Um, and I'm <laughs> in a better spot now. So I can be a little more strategic, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to work a lot more so on how we make really inclusive focus interview practices, how we help people establish that bias and understand it on a deeper level. Um, and then also bringing in new people and new interviewers because they will approach things differently, which is, I think, a good thing. So I think it's also about having a balanced slate of interviewers, which is something that we're working towards as well. Kylie, this has been super fascinating and interesting, and I love the approach you guys have. Atlassian's been an innovative company, a successful company, a growing company, and it's clear to see that you guys are thinking really carefully and intentionally about um, uh, making sure that you continue on that upward trajectory, right? And, And making sure you're bringing in the right people and uh, that you're supporting your culture and you're, you're giving, you're really sort of supplying opportunity to lots of people as well. So, uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm really glad to learn more about the story. I've been, I've been a user of the products for a long time in different capacities. I'm a Trello user now, right? You guys have Trello, I believe. I, and, I do. And yeah. I'm not as great at it as I'd like to be. I got to like, uh, up my game a little bit, but, uh, it's a great product, but, um, uh, anything else, Kylie? The, the website's atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Um, anything else you'd like to mention before we let you go to get to get back at it, back, get back at growing that company, another 2,000 people? Uh, no, I'm just super excited that people are talking about this. I think it's incredibly telling that we're all working on recruiting innovation. And frankly, I think that it used to be seen as a service. So I feel like we're just going to get better just kind of as we're really seeing the buy-in and what that looks like um, from a strategy perspective and an overall growth perspective and a business perspective, um, which has been really exciting for me. So if you want to work here, reach out to me because it's fun. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll make sure you we'll, we'll, we'll put your LinkedIn link in, in, in the show notes as well, as well as the website. And uh, Kylie Gomez from Atlassian, thank you so much. I'm glad we got to talk today. Like, I'm glad we got to like, in, in, you know, right out there on the front lines with someone uh, working on this, uh, these issues on a daily basis, which is great. So thanks so much again for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This has been awesome. Uh, my pleasure. So the, the great show. Thanks again to Kylie. Thanks to the, everyone at Atlassian. Thanks to my friends at Intello who helped connect myself and Kylie for the show. So I appreciate their their help as well. I do want to say uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening to the HR Happy Hour show this year. It was by far our most successful year yet on the podcast. A few months ago, we crossed over a million downloads, and I suspect two million is going to happen really, really soon. So super thanks again for all the support this year. Thanks to our show sponsor, of course, Virgin Pulse, www.virginpulse.com. Shout out to Trish McFarland. We will see you next time on the show for that. that I guess that's it, right? So for me, for Steve Bose, thanks again. This has been the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time. And bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.